Sorry to interrupt. One second. I've just got a door and it's a collection that I've been waiting for for three days. So give me two minutes. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> You take this for next door, mate. Oh, <laughs> Here he comes. Is he wearing clogs? <laughs> Worst ever. It was for next door, and it wasn't even DHL. <laughs> oh, I predicted oh, it. Amazing. Amazing. Chris said that as he went down the stairs. <laughs> This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Coming up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. It's your club, and this is your show. So the festive football is here, probably. And that means it's a hectic time for Manchester City, but things couldn't have gone better at the weekend as Pep Guardiola's side went clear at the top of the Premier League table. On this week's Blue Moon Podcast, we'll be looking at how they did it, analysing that 4-0 win at Newcastle. Plus, we'll look at the matches to come as Leicester and Brentford are on the horizon, assuming that there are no COVID postponements in the meantime. We'll get insight on those sides, plus we'll take a look at City's record when they haven't been top of the table at Christmas and still won the league. Yes, I know that doesn't really fit for this season, but we just fancied being a bit contrarian. I'm David Mooney. Welcome to this week's Blue Moon Podcast and with me I've got City fans Chris Higginbottom Hello there and Sam Roscoe Hello there How are you doing Sam? Been a while? Yeah it has been a while Yeah no it's good to be back I always like a cathartic hour of getting all things Manchester City off my chest There's nothing cathartic about this week I'm sorry it's been, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it couldn't, right. couldn't have gone better could it? I mean Chris as well <laughs> you've uh, you've been, you've been uh, absent for a while You've uh, are you well? I am well now yeah having um, finally expunged the virus from my uh, chest and nasal cavities. I've had COVID, all the family have had it. Um, but I think we timed it quite well in terms of Christmas because we should be, uh, you know, not susceptible for a few weeks now. Yeah, well, glad uh, glad you're on the mend and feeling better from it anyway. Um, let's start with uh, that Newcastle game then. Um, Chris, the, I think the place to start is because I, I really can't decide. City good, opposition bad. What was it? Um, City sloppy in the first half and really showing some fantastic uh, control in football in the second half. But Newcastle just abject at times, like really, really bad. That first goal was just like Keystone Capers, absolutely <laughs> shambolic. It was. I don't know like- who was worse, the defender that ducked or the keeper that... Just thought, well, that's probably covered. I won't even. <laughs> oh, it's good. And then, even when he finally realised and kind of hurled himself almost just pathetically towards uh, Diaz, it, it, I don't know. It, his arms weren't even outstretched. It just seemed to go kind of through him like yeah. some sort of. It was so Sunday memory. league, wasn't it? It, it was, was brilliant. awful. Yeah. Sam, I've I've played in Sunday League teams that have defended better than that, mate. And you've se- <laughs> you've you've seen how I keep goals sometimes. I I can make some right howlers between those sticks. <laughs> if that was my Sunday League team, I'd give a, a massive bollocking out to the pair of them. <laughs> it was just the reaction though. After it, it was like, oh, oh dear, sort yeah. of thing. You know, there, there wasn't and look, you know, the Newcastle fans are have gone through a lot, haven't they, over the years? And they're so close to you know a, a massive sort of cash injection into the side and there's a lot of hope that comes with that but first things first they need to get the team sorted out to, to stay in the division and I don't think you know after the um, after the recent showings that there's any hope there um, well, and especially after that 
You can buy a lot of championship players for two hundred forty million, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, I, the other the other thing the, it's the look on Diaz's face as well, Sam. He can't believe that that's come to it. Like he's not going to get a better present or Christmas, is he? That's it. Yeah, certainly you, you took the words straight away from me there, but definitely an early Christmas gift for him. Um, it, it's inexcusable, really, and you know I think just set the tone for the rest of the afternoon, didn't it? Yeah. Really. Well, uh, the other—I mean, the other big talking point, Chris, uh, was mm. um, later in the first half. City leading two nil. Uh, Cancelo involved uh, comes back, takes the ball nice and comfortably from uh, from the uh, forward, uh, who is then absolutely wiped out by Edison. Um, mm. There's there is real—I I didn't think it was a really controversial opinion to think that that should have been a penalty, but apparently it is. There's there's re- there's two real camps on this, whether it's a penalty or whether it's not. Um, where do you sit on it? I'd, how is it not? I mean, what what do you have to do for that? Not how is it not? I just don't understand how it isn't a penalty. Like it's it's took him out, like you say. People are saying, "Oh yeah, but if you know, if uh, Cancelo hadn't got the ball and ran off with it, then Edison would have." But yeah, but that that didn't happen, did it? He took him <laughs> out. What what scenario where someone's just taken the ball away? Would it be a penalty? What do you have to do? Uh, punch him in the face? I mean, what if that was any? I just don't understand it. It's just it's a direct free kick offence in the area. Yeah, so yeah. it's a penalty for me. Sam, are you same side of the fence or the other side of the fence? Well, I like how you've thrown it to me to throw some balance in here and provide the o- the opposite <laughs> well, view. But this is it. Um, I, ge- I, genu- I didn't ask you beforehand. I genuinely no. don't know what you're going to say now. Um, yeah, I, it's a penalty all day. Like. I, <laughs> The argument for it not being a penalty is based on well, Cancelo, you know, was in control. He would have he, he had the ball. There was no chance that you know Newcastle were going to win the ball back, etc. But Edison is not involved. Then, if that's the case, like Edison isn't in that passage of play. You know, well, it's, let, it's let all me... down to Cancelo, and therefore Edison has just completely wiped him out like a bowling ball down the alley into a bunch of skittles, basically. Well, let me put this to you because I can I can hear even though we're still recording, I can hear all the listeners shouting at their at, at their phones saying, "Well, what about this? What about this?" Let's let's look at it from from the other side of the of the argument then, because. Edison has already started his challenge when Cancelo comes in to take the ball. Like as, as far as Edison's aware, the ball is there to be won when he starts the challenge. He can't stop his challenge, so what is he supposed to do? Well, he, there's nothing he can do, but unfortunately, that's how some penalties occur. It might not be intentional, but he's impeded an opponent with contact. I'm reading from the FA Laws of the Game <laughs> internet page here, because I really wanted to like find if it wasn't a penalty, but Looking at the actual laws of the game and FA rules, I, it all seems to comply with you give a penalty there. Right. Okay, well, let, let's let's say this then, Sam. Um, had it been a penalty and had Newcastle scored, it wouldn't have changed the outcome of the game, would it? No, I don't think so. I think... Um... I think it would have, you know, we, we've already mentioned that City were looking a little bit sloppy and in the past where... You know, we've been sloppy and opposition have scored. It's it's sort of kick-started them, hasn't it? It's been the sort of jump start to to the rest of the game, and I think that would have been that would have been that sort of catalyst, if you like. Um, and and going back to the fact that Newcastle are horrendous, and were <laughs> horrendous in that game. It's hard to get away um, from that, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah, uh, you know, that's the overriding factor basically is you know Newcastle can have as many penalties as they want but they're still absolutely dreadful in defence and everywhere else across the pitch 
Yeah. Um, before we before we move on, um, there was a, a big talking point with the with the selection in that uh, both Foden and Grealish were left out. Um, then after the game, Chris uh, Guardiola said this to uh, BBC Five Live. Uh, have a listen. I decide for these teams because they deserve to play today. These guys and not the other ones. In the Christmas time, I pay a lot a lot of attention to behavior on and off the pitch. And when the off the pitch is not proper not going to play so we have to be focused all the time because the distractions in the Christmas times and everything can happen and you have to still be focused you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. With uh, Foden and Grealish the story being that they went out after the Leeds game uh, that shot's fired isn't it? Yeah, and you know, on target, I would say. Uh, I like the way he sort of kissed his teeth after mm. he said, uh, "If the behaviour is not proper," and then he sort of carried <laughs> it on, which is pretty good. But yeah, it's in the current climate. I mean, you're a professional footballer. COVID is knocking games out like skittles, left, right, and centre. Going out when you've been told not to. It's like, come on, lads, that yeah. is really not on. And correct me if I'm wrong, I heard, I, I don't know if I've misremembered this, apparently Foden doesn't drink. So oh, I don't know about that. That's, that's, that might be complete yeah. bollocks, but I did Google it and couldn't find anything conclusive. Uh, but that's what I've been led to believe. Maybe I'm just misremembering the fact that he's only just old enough to drink. Or something. <laughs> I don't know. But, um, I mean, you just don't do it. If you're turning up, like, shabbily, in, you know, out of condition the next day at training, what do you expect? It's not yeah. like, it's not your favourite PE teacher that's going to turn a blind eye, is it? It's Pep Guardiola, he's going to kick your head in and leave you out of the team. Yeah. Like, don't do that. Yeah, and Sam Guardiola's got form of doing this. When when players have uh, upset him away from the pitch, he, he he just leaves them out, doesn't he? That's the And it, and it sends a message. It does send a message. Yeah, absolutely, and and rightly so. Um, you know, the you've got to behave uh off the pitch and if the manager's giving you instructions you have to follow them um and the thing is as well you know pep guardiola's been there he's been a young player and i'm sure he'll have uh been to to many parties and done many things after matches and stuff like that so he gets it he knows all about it but the the fact of the matter is um like chris said you know now more than ever it's it's so important for players to to really um know their place if you like in in the world at the minute and know that keep themselves safe yeah yeah keep themselves safe uh and understand why uh they're in a privileged position at the minute in the world and you know there's a lot going on behind the scenes to make sure that the games continue that players are safe um and it just must be so frustrating for Everyone else who's involved in that, you know, off the pitch for the staff at the club, for people doing the testing with the players, for the Premier League who are putting all this extra effort into test players to make sure that games go ahead. Um, and for them to, you know, just send that sort of a message, it, it's not a good look. Yeah. And, um, and with very them, childish. Them- and the, the worrying thing for me is Grealish has got form in this department as well. Exactly. Um, and you'd think that a hundred million pound move to the Premier League champions would screw his head on a little bit better. Um, He's got people to win over, hasn't he, Sam? He does. Out there. This yeah, help. yeah, and and you know, I never, I think his performances have been have been good for City, and he's he's. He's suited the the team. He suited the style, and he's had a really good start to his life at City on the pitch. 
Um, but there are still some question marks over that and a lot of headlines around he's not quite succeeding the way you'd think for £100 million, etc. We know why those headlines are there. Um, it's, a, it's a great story, but incidents like this really don't help that. And It's avoidable, isn't it? That's the thing. It is. It's really avoidable. And it's like, come on, guys. Yeah. Like, everyone wants to go out. Everyone wants to you know, have a great time. But you're professionals, you're Premier League footballers. And at the time when the club, the Premier League football and people who love football need you most, pack it in. Yeah. Yeah. To not have the foresight to think... Oh, well, if we do this, we could go training tomorrow with a virus that infects, you know, numerous staff, playing staff, all our games over Christmas, then get piled into later in the season when we've got like cup competitions. It's just like, I mean, it's naive at best. And, you know, really, it's just, it's just stupid, isn't it? It's yeah. Just not really. Uh, he probably won't, Pep probably won't speak to them till March now. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's uh, let, let's finish with the Newcastle game on a positive note because um, I, I really didn't want to talk about him again for another week, but he's 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 making it impossible to not talk about him. Um, we talked about the Diaz goal, Chris. When Cancelo lofted that ball back across, he will not have been expecting it to hit the net. But um, the second goal, the one where he picked it up in the in the middle and just kind of ran with it for a bit and popped it in the top corner. Um, that one, he'll have been he'll have been right behind that and was like, Yeah, I am I am right on it right now, won't he? Well, yeah, he must have thought he had some sort of mystical um sign over the the opposing players. We've alluded to how bad Newcastle are in defence. I mean, the build up to that goal, we were shifting the ball about at pace, you know, really well and turning players and it's difficult to cope with. But once it comes to Cancelo, the first sort of three challenges on him are non existent, really. And you know, he's kind of moved the ball from one side to the other and players have just been completely bamboozled by it. He's not done anything particularly spectacular up until hitting the shot. When he hits the shot, by the way, it's like a choreographed... He must have felt like Moses, the way they just, <laughs> like, in symmetry, parted the way, like, just lent out of the way of the ball as if it's like to go, ah, oh, not the face. It's like, wow, thanks very much, but what a, what a strike. I mean, I don't want to take much away from the magnificence of the goal because it was spectacular and I loved everything about it. I mean, I you know, I really like watching defenders cower and quail as our players bear down on them, but it really does ask questions about uh, Newcastle. And I also love the celebration. It was, I was, uh, yeah, I was going to cool. come on to this because uh, Sam, um, we need to talk about that knee slide because that, like, in terms of ranking <laughs> knee slides, that is right up there as one of the best. Yeah, you didn't fall over. He didn't fall as he, as he was doing it. That's always um, <laughs> embarrassing, isn't it? When a player scores a, a worldie and then slides on his knees and absolutely uh, stacks it. But yeah. um, just on just on Cancelo, groundsman's so, nightmare. Yeah, God, yeah. Um, on Cancelo, I'm so so pleased for him because I remember when he first came. That first season wasn't amazing, and I was thinking, oh no, is this like? one of them defensive signings that we've got that just isn't working out. And he's taken a while to bed in, but boy, he is amazing, isn't he? Like, he I is. don't... I, I can't see him not being in the team. I can't see us succeeding without him as well. Like, the, he, he offers so much for us, and it's so imperative that we have as many alternative options in attack as possible, because... You know the the way we play, it needs um, 
that quick ball into the box and he delivers it so so well from deep like it's well, from, incredible from deep from, wherever, from the left yeah. from deep from the left from the right from the center it's it's weird isn't it <laughs> yeah that's it like um I don't really want to get too sort of technical and sort of too too deep into it, but I, I'm do sure it, I've, I've mentioned this in the past, like on the podcast, that you know the way we play, it's it's easy to sort of suffocate us with defenders and stuff like that, but the the quick ball from Cancelo is is so good for getting behind teams and defenders yeah and that's where we're at our best when we get the ball in behind teams and when space. we've got teams on the turn yeah, like when yeah. we you know when we when we put a ball through to turn defenders it's it's absolutely killer like and and he delivers that so well kevin de bruyne does it brilliantly as well um and that is so crucial to the way we play um and it's really pleasing and to see him scoring as well is is fantastic i mean the run, it, it was like watching something on FIFA. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it was like watching uh, what, me defend on FIFA. That was what it was. <laughs> it looked too easy, what, didn't it? Yeah, it looked, it looked way too easy. Just a little drop of his shoulder one way, then oh, a little another drop of the shoulder the other way, and then, oh, go on. Fuck it, I'll hit this. Yeah. Into, straight in. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Great. Oh, I've scored. Mm. Yeah, there we go. Let's look now at uh, the position in the table because City have won five of the last Premier League titles. Uh, so it seems a little strange that this season is only the third ever time that they've been top of the table at Christmas. Both previous times they've gone on to become champions, but in the last decade they're also the only club to win the league without leading it over the festive period. I've been taking a look at that Christmas record. <laughs> It was 2011 the first time City topped the table at Christmas, courtesy of a 3-0 win over Stoke at the Etihad four days earlier. I'm so special, but I think that we, we did 44 points till now, and we have only two points over United. Uh, I think that usually if uh, you do 44 points, you should have maybe five, six points uh, over the second team. That was then-manager Roberto Mancini after the game. Clearly, he wasn't getting too excited too early. But City did go on to win the league that year. Just as they did in Pep Guardiola's second season, when they were top at Christmas in 2017. He was in a similar mood to Mancini when asked about the table at that time as well. You cannot be champion in December. Of course, it's important for our confidence to feel that uh, we can compete in a, in a bigger stage and a huge personality, we'll see in Mars and April. But perhaps the reason Guardiola was so guarded about that question was that his side secured Christmas number one really early that year by beating United 2-1 at Old Trafford on the 10th of December. At that stage, many of us, myself included, hadn't even started our Christmas shopping. This season is the third time that City have been top at Christmas and we're all hoping they make it a hat-trick of following that up by being champions in May. But they're also the only team since Christmas 2008 to have won the title without being top on December the 25th. The first time they did it was in 2013. Premier League, the games are very close, and especially when when home teams are in, in, in a bad position at the table and they try to win, to win their points at home. So we knew before the match that it would be a very difficult match. That was then manager Manuel Pellegrini speaking after a 4-2 win at Fulham. That was City's final game before Christmas, and it left them third in the table. We are the only team on the top of the, of the table that we are going to play just 48 hours, less than 48 hours before. Against Liverpool, we play 5.30, and against Crystal Palace, 3 o'clock, so it's 44, 46 hours. 
but we must do it. The most important thing first is to win Liverpool and then we, we will think what we do for the second match. City won both of those games, but it wasn't enough to take them to the top. In fact, because of rescheduled fixtures, they ended up not going to the Premier League summit until the 7th of May, after their penultimate match of the season. In 2014, City became the title winners that have been leading the league for the fewest days during the campaign. If Pellegrini's team were putting a run of wins together that Christmas though, Guardiola's title winners in 2019 were having a right wobble. After losing to Chelsea at the start of December, they then lost two games later to Crystal Palace. They arrived two times. I think before the penalty was a post, he could have scored a third goal for the brilliant action. But he didn't shoot one more shooting target, he didn't pass, he didn't do anything else. Of course, in offensive, in defensive, was brilliant. So I give a lot of credit to Crystal Palace. I don't want to say my words underestimated what they have done. So congratulations to be credit, but that is football. Sometimes it happens. That left them four points behind leaders Liverpool on Christmas Day 2018. And it got worse on Boxing Day, as City lost to Leicester. Today we finish the first leg. We make an incredible amount of points. So in normal situation, we are fighting to be champion. If we make the same points in the second leg of the season, we are fighting to, to win the Premier League. But there are the two teams that the reality that, for example, last season there were many teams that did well, but we were, we were fantastic. So the reality, there are two or three teams better than us, so they are better. So it's not talking about now thinking about if we are able to take or, or got Liverpool or whatever. That is not the issue. The issue is try to win again and another game. City were then third, seven points off the top. But their record in the second half of the season was phenomenal. They won 18 of the 19 games and finished ahead of Liverpool by one point. Of the 16 points City dropped in the whole of that season, nine of them were lost in the run-up to and during the festive period. And that brings us to last term, where it was the form after Christmas that again saw City overcome a deficit to be champions. On Christmas Day 2020, Guardiola's side were eighth in the table and eight points behind leaders Liverpool. We accept that we are not... Our momentum in front of the goal is not good. So, and we faced today with him. They had his momentum in terms of playing football and points. And uh, yeah, it's a good result to to climb a little bit in the in the table. But you know, a start from here is good. That was after a one-nil win against Southampton, the final game before Christmas. It was a tough game, so demanding. And now, yeah we see a recover for the next games. You've seen Liverpool have won 7-0 away. How close are you to your title form? Where are we? A so long way away. Look the table. <laughs> Eight points, but with a game in hand. OK, but it's a lot of points, so... And it's not doubts about how, how good at Liverpool they are, but I said to the guys, you forget about it, to think about it in high, high things. So we are in nine in the table. When you are in the table, it's try to... Next week being the eighth in the table, and after go to qualify for Europa League, and after win the Champions League, and if the situation happened, happened. The situation did happen, and it only took City until the end of January to go to the top of the table. Once they had, they stayed there until the end of May. Of City's five title wins in the last decade, they've only been top at Christmas twice. This year could be the third time, but there's still a lot of work to do between now and the end of the season. If you're looking for omens, however, here's something to give you a bit more confidence for the next few months. Neither Liverpool nor Chelsea have ever won the Premier League without being top when Santa visits. I'm Clyde Tilsley. 
yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, Barmy and I, Barcelona, all that. Yeah, that Clive Tilsley, um, you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. Enjoy. Please support the show by becoming a backer. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. That was a look at City leading the table. Um, it's a good position to be in right now, Chris, isn't it? You, it's it, it's not an omen. I'm not going to say it's an omen that you like the team at the top wins the league at Christmas because it's you know it's it's really close to 50-50 in the Premier League era. The team at the top has won it 15 times out of 29, so it's just over half. So, but it's yeah. it, it's a good place to be, isn't it? It's just good to be there or thereabouts up until you know, the day of reckoning uh, in May, really. I don't put any, you know, I don't really put any value in, oh, if you top at Christmas, this will happen or stuff like that. It's just like, be there or thereabouts. Don't be, be within sniffing distance. And then, uh, you know, you're in with a shout, aren't you? I'd rather yeah. be at the top, like, than not. But, you know. I thought you were going to say, I'd rather be at the top than the bottom. And that's <laughs> like, yeah, yeah I'm, I, I'm on board with that one. <laughs> yeah, other <laughs> other sage-like maxims uh, <laughs> to follow. Um, but uh, obviously, it's best to be at the top. But yeah, I mean, I don't really. We've we've won it from um, when we're the team that were at the top for the the fewest, fewest days, days in a yeah. league season and still won it. So it doesn't really. As long as we're there or thereabouts, I'm not asked. Yeah, and at uh, this stage. And Sam, um, I mean, with the with the with the games that City have played, um, it's, it only hit me recently. Actually, you know, they've they've got Leicester away out the out the way. They've got United mm-hmm. away, you know, Chelsea away, Liverpool away. They've done all those games. That's, I mean, you can't really hope for better than that now, can you? Well, the worry is we've got them at home now. <laughs> yeah, but it's on your own patch. That's the thing. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I know what you say, but um, I think the most pleasing thing for me is obviously look the record and it's. It's a bit folklore, isn't it? You know, the team at the top of Christmas, top of the tree is going to win the league, etc. Um, but for me, it's more the way we're playing and the way they have just clicked into gear. You can see the cogs of the machine turning in every game. It's right, we've won. Next game, we've won. Next game, we've won. Next game. Um, and they have been in this situation they've got the experience of winning titles in the in the premier league um and they know how to win titles in the premier league they know how to come back if they slip up whereas teams that are chasing them liverpool chelsea have they been in you know have they ever overcome a, a city that is this mechanical yeah. before no um and also so from from their point of view right now as well, it's uh, it's only it's not a lot, but Chelsea will be looking at it and we going, God, it's six points already that we've got to ca- that we've got to make exactly. up. This Liverpool are looking, it's three points we've got to are make up. Are you surprised yeah. at Chelsea, lads? A little bit. I am. I think I'm. I'm surprised in. Um, I feel like they've been found out a little bit under Tuchel yeah. now. Um, obviously, when Tuchel came in, he made them really solid. Made them really difficult to beat. And they were scoring goals as well. Um, they're still quite difficult to beat. They're still pretty solid, but they're not scoring as many goals. Obviously, Lukaku started quite well. He's he's had injuries, etc. Now mm. he's sort of fallen to to Mason Mount. Timo Werner's been a flop, um, and they they've just not got that same attacking prowess of of Liverpool and City. They don't seem to have as many kind of ways to to attack. To win, do they? yeah, they don't have yeah. they don't have as many ways to win. I think as well, like they've got brilliant ways to avoid defeat, but they've not got as many ways to win. If that makes sense, yeah. could be the draws um, that kill them. And exactly, absolutely, and and like you mentioned, David, you know they'll be looking at the table now, going, 
oh shit, are we out of it now? Like, because that's that's the way it's going. I just don't see City being stopped. Yeah, or City well, dropping points, which which is now what teams need. Yeah, well, I'll, uh, I'll clip that up for social media next time they lose, Sam. So uh, don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's have a look at the at the games with Leicester and Brentford. Um, uh, Chris, are you a little bit surprised that as it stands, both of these games are going ahead? Were you expecting there to be some sort of break that the Premier League would vote on? Um, it's one of them where I just I'm just no longer um, surprised by. Yeah. What it, you just you just got to roll with it, haven't you? At the moment, you just uh, there's so much stuff has happened in the last couple of years where you've had things imposed on you, you've had forced disappointments that you've had to deal with, and well, let's, I mean, people that, have had it a lot worse than me, so I just kind of just like accept it, whatever it is. Oh, are they, are they, I don't even look that far ahead anyway. It's yeah. like who have we got the next couple of weeks? Is it on? Yes, great. Is it not on? Right, well, um, there's other things I can be getting on with. You just, well, I was going to say that. Are, are you okay with games? Yeah, are you okay with games being cancelled at the drop of a hat? Because like, I'm, I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming you're, you're probably not going to Brentford, for instance. But if you I'm were, not. if you were, and it was called off while you were on the journey, you'd be a bit pissed off, wouldn't you? I think the the actual league should be organising kind of a protocol better to to avoid disappointing fans who are like two hours into a motorway journey that you should know in good time there should be something in place to say get all your pcrs in by however many hours or days before the game like 24 hours whatever it is work factor in the fact that the fans are having to travel because they should be um, taken into account like as a massive priority because like who who's watching the games why yeah. are they playing them? It doesn't. You know I mean? It doesn't. It doesn't matter for you, Sam. You live near Brentford, so uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not worried about you. <laughs> I, w- I want to weigh in on this actually because I think it's an absolute farce from the Premier League the way they've handled this situation. Um, it, it's not only a, a massive inconvenience for supporters; it's also a massive risk to supporters' health and safety who are, mm. you know, travelling to matches via the train, coach, etc. If they're making their own way there, stopping at services, etc. It's yeah. it's to- it's, a, it's an unnecessary journey in that aspect if a game is called off. Um, but also, it's a massive inconvenience to clubs. Like you think, okay, you're a, you're a club, you've got seven. Uh, positive COVID test, you're waiting on a test to come back uh, to see if they're positive and, and they can play. Still doesn't mean the players are going to be fit. It still means that they've had to close the training ground for two days yeah. and they're going to be at a massive disadvantage. So it makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. I was I was actually speaking to um, Simon Mullock about this the other day, just to to see what he thought about it, to see you know if he's he's done any digging on things. and um, And he actually raised the point that you know the the Premier League are looking ahead to next season when the uh, the World Cup is going to be, and because of that, obviously the Premier League is going to be starting a lot earlier. So they want to give play. They still want to give players that break in, in summer, summer, yeah. Which is all well and good, but you know if you ask clubs and probably the players, you know, do you okay? You you just recovered from COVID. We've got a game tomorrow. You've not trained for <laughs> ten days. I'm going to th- throw you in there. That that's not safe, surely. That's not safe for a player's yeah. well-being and and fitness, etc. And uh, what the you know, it's all. What is the solution? Well, first of all, it's like what Higgy said. There needs to be some protocol in place to not cancel games at midnight 
the day before, well, on the day of midnight, on the day of matches. That's absolutely ludicrous. Um, there needs to be a good 48-hour window for cancellations. Like, that. I don't see why that isn't a thing. Yeah. And, you know, Thomas Frank came out, didn't he, the other week and said, why are they not cancelling at least one round of fixtures so that we can all catch up, so that we can all... Um, get right, we can have training grounds open again and we can give teams I think time to, to catch up and, and get back up to speed. I everyone do, I must do, accept that. I do think the worry with that, because I'm actually from the I'm actually on the other side of this. I, I think if, if we can get games to go ahead, we should play them. Because if you if you were to immediately say right now, take last weekend for instance, City and Newcastle didn't have any any COVID problems in the camp, so they could get that game on. Um if you end up in a situation where we have this break and we have um, and we do, it was the Brentford game, isn't it? The City Brentford that was likely to be uh, postponed in all of this. Um, if that was off and then cases were not any better the week later, there's no case mm-hmm. for restarting the games. And then it's just it's more games that then have to be played later on in the season. Whereas at the moment, if it, if it means that if you've got a round of ten games and yeah, okay, we've had to call seven of them off because of teams that have got COVID problems. At least there are three fixtures there that have been played and can be uh, and don't need to be thought about later down the line and it's yeah. just it, it's a it's a case of firefighting right now that's the that's problem. the um the, the point with having a, a circuit breaker sort of you know a round of uh, postponements is you rely on teams you know you, you're relying on teams and players and staff and, yeah. and everybody what that's going to be there to to be responsible and not safe go out on the and, piss with and bubble. <laughs> yeah exactly not not go out clubbing after a 7-0 victory um but that's 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 the only snag with that yeah. Well, because that—that's the thing. What, what if what if City what, what if City this week um, when they come to play Leicester? What if City and Leicester could get this game on, but it was postponed, and then uh, in three weeks when they're supposed to play, City have got uh, got ten COVID cases and can't play. It's a, a good point. It, it, it just mm-hmm. we're at a point where if we can get games on, I think we I think we should. And you know, I, I was speaking to uh, Sam Lee on this week's Why Always Us, um, and he was saying that that as far as he can tell, because he, he you know speaking to people around the players, uh, vaccination rates at City are high. Um, there's, there's, there was the story this week that uh, that a lot of Premier League players had, had now started the the vaccination journey. They were calling it. Um, so maybe maybe we're in a good position to be able to uh, to, to keep the games on. Um, You've convinced me there, David. By the way, but good. I do think um, <laughs> yeah, needs, if they are going to cancel games, there needs to be like Higgy said, better communication, in place. Yeah. better communication, and just common sense. Yeah. You see stats pop up all the time about clubs and players, and you want to know that exact thing about City. There's an answer. Statcity.co.uk Want to find out all of the players who played alongside club legends like David Silva, Sergio Aguero or Vincent Company? Or maybe you'd like to know which team found it hardest to score past Joe Hart. You can find out City's record in every competition, at every stadium, and under every manager. Just go to statcity.co.uk and browse away. That's statcity.co.uk. Let's get a view from Leicester ahead of this game. Uh, I've been speaking to Neil from Beyond the 90 LCFC, and I started by asking about form this season after thinking Leicester would be doing better than they are. Do you know what? I think every every Leicester fan expected us to. I mean, I've got to be honest, I've got to look like I've got pie all over my face. I thought we would be competing with top four just because we've been doing it twice as well. Um, this season has been it's been really not good. I'm still surprised we're in the top 10. We've been that bad this season. 
it's we've basically been relying on our front players to dig us out of trouble for the majority of the time. You're looking at obviously Vardy's again. I think he's again now he's just on to third top, highest top, top scorer at the moment. Pass and Dak has come into form, but defensively we have been absolutely abysmal. Um, and one of the, if you're a Man City fan and you remember how we defended against you in the Charity Shield, I think we were pretty decent. And then we we played in when we when you won one nil against us um, at our ground. I was thinking, okay, that's not too bad. Now I'm looking at it going. This is this, the team has just fallen off a cliff, and it's really you can't pinpoint exactly why, but it just seems to be a it seems to be a perfect storm at the moment of injuries, COVID, um, but also it's just just not good enough to be perfectly honest with you. We aren't playing to anywhere near our best ability, and we just hope we can find some form soon. We've seemed to have found it against Newcastle, but as you found out from a couple from last week, it's really not saying much. Yeah, I, I mean, I was going to say just looking um, at, uh, at at like the recent results for Leicester. Um, obviously, beating Newcastle, but then you know, shipped three to Napoli, shipped two to Villa, shipped mm-hmm. two to to Southampton, two to Watford. It, like it's, I mean, three to Chelsea. It's not. It's it's a. It, there really is like like there isn't a clean sheet in sight, is there at the minute? No, we've we've had two all season, and to be fair, the first one against Wolves, we were very very lucky that we managed to get a win out of that, let alone a clean sheet. Um, if Traore, I think it's a story of Traore's season. If he could even hit the on target, he'd be one of the two, like he'd be on at least five, six, seven goals, uh, if not competing with the top. Um, but we were lucky, and then the only clean sheet we can't keep a clean sheet to our life. That shows you it's a combination of because Leicester fans have been scratching our heads, figuring out well why are we so bad. And I think it's a combination of defensively, or, or they can't defend set pieces. Casper um, Michael doesn't come off his line and collect the ball. He just doesn't do it. And so, again, a combination of, it, it seems to be conceding, which is one thing, but conceding from the same kind of set pieces again and again, it's been, it's been, it's been boring to keep talking about the same problems. You <laughs> want to go, okay, I want to talk about something else, but we talk about the same problems again and again. So I wouldn't be surprised if you convert from a corner and if it's like Gabriel Jesus that gets the goal because yeah. we are that bad. I mean, you mentioned uh, injuries and COVID before. Um, COVID has had a grip of your squad, hasn't it? Let's, I mean, let's be honest. You, you have suffered with COVID problems. Yeah, of recent, we've um, we've had I think about nine players out. A lot of them haven't been first team players, but they've mostly been like the team, the 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 squad players. So you look at the likes of Jamie Vardy hasn't been. Um, you, it's the players that kind of are your third and fourth choice uh, centre back. Uh, for example, wouldn't have been available, and fifth choice centre back could have been affected by it. But it came to a point where uh, in a Newcastle game. Johnny Evans went off with an injury after eight minutes. So Suyuncu, so we had to drop in Diddy into the back line to try and make up numbers. And then towards the end of the game, and I think coming out of that game, we had zero. I think if we if we were going to play Tottenham, we were going to play it with zero senior fit centre backs ready because it was we had that much of an issue. When I was just calling for the game to be stopped, and thankfully it was. Now obviously we're coming into um, this game hopefully will be a bit better, but against the Man City side that are just absolutely flowing at the moment, um, I'm, I'm not looking forward to it, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, I mean, in terms of injuries as well, because you you, you did mention injuries, um, what's what's the squad been like? Because it's been, I remember when we chatted at the start of the season, it, you, you, one of the things you were saying was, well, we'd, we kind of need to avoid injuries and it feels like you haven't done that either. Yeah, it's been one, it's been one injury after another, um, 
So it's a key player. So Yuri Tillman's a vital player for us. He's been injured. He's just coming back into the squad now. And you're seeing as is no coincidence he's come back in the team and that he's going to pick up form. I mean, we're looking at James Madison has added injuries. Oh, God. The list just, you know what? There's been so many that you forget. Um, Johnny Evans had a massive, had an injury towards the beginning of the season, um, had a plantar fascia issue, which just kept playing up. I think it's playing up now. I don't think he'll be fit for the Man City game, um, but he is training with the squad. I think, oh, you're going back now. I think Ricardo's out with their injury. James Justin has been out with a horrible ACL injury. Um, Ricardo's actually still recovering. He's not really looked back to his peak level. He, he's going to be out for that one. Whereas if you're far enough, that awful leg break against Villarreal, who else is going to be out? Um, there's going to be a few players that are going to be out for this game. Um, but we should be strong enough to field a squad playing a 4-2-3-1 that we saw against Newcastle. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you mentioned Vardy earlier on. Um, City fans come out in cold sweats when Jamie Vardy comes to town because he always seems to score at the Etihad, if uh, if, if nothing else. Um, uh, how how impactful has he been this season? Has he, has he been in and out of the team? That's the, So, yeah, for, the idea is of play, getting in Pat Sendaka. So the, I think we talked both about him last time we were on the show. With Pat Sendaka, the idea was is that Jamie Vardy is 34 and considering that, and he's still one of the top Premier League scorer, I think he's third Premier League scorer with nine goals at, at the time of recording. He's still a phenomenal talent and he's feeding off absolute scrapes. However, he's still putting the ball in the back of that. He's doing phenomenally well. But as 34 years old, you can't play him game in, game out. So the idea is, the idea you'd give Jamie Vardy the game at the weekend and then the Europa League or now Conference League, well, that's another rant in itself, um, will replace we'll Pats and Daka. And slowly... Pat Sandak has been playing more games now that we're coming into two games a week. So you're looking at Pat Sandak coming into this game going uh, and and he's been doing really, really well. Attacking-wise, yeah, Jamie Vardy is there and he's going to be thriving. I think he'll be right up for this game um, because it's the kind of game that he's going to really thrive upon. Um, he was quite... I think he, he missed his opportunity against Man City last time, but you again, you guys know Jamie Vardy and we know him as well. He's always up for the challenge and... He'll always manage to get a goal, I think, against Man City, even though he didn't get one in the last game. Yeah, well, it was. I mean, it was offside by inches, so it was uh, it was as close as you could possibly get without it being uh, be, being a goal. So I'll uh, you know I'll still still be a bit nervous about that. Um, how about Brendan <laughs> Rodgers? How how are the fans kind of um, with with Rodgers at the moment? Because he he he's done a lot of good work with Leicester. I feel looking from the outside in, um, is he getting the time to to kind of have a go at, at, at sorting out these problems? Yeah, so it's kind of a. I think okay. So the majority of fans are still Brendan Rodgers in. They still appreciate what he's done. They can still remember the FA Cup victory and that, as you know, from supporting a smaller. I don't know, Man City are in a different era now, but remember that first FA Cup win. It means the absolute world to a team. Um, so it means the absolute world to us. The majority of fans in the stadium are behind him. They want him to do well. They want this, we want to play good football and we aren't, but we do realise that it's going to just take time for it to, to continue. There are obviously a minority vocal social media platforms that will be like that we hate Rogers, we want him out. Uh, that voice has become more and more apparent as we lose more games, as you can expect. We are behind the squad, we are behind the team. However, when you're going through this rough patch, it's it's not fun. And it's but it's the easier thing to call call out the manager. And it is the manager's fault at parts, but we still believe him to turn it around. Uh, do we think he's going to be here for the absolute long term? I don't think so. But for now, it depends on 
again, coming in against Man City, coming against Liverpool, these games are going to be tough, especially with the the depleted defensive squad, lack of defence that we've got in the squad. It's going to be hard to get any, if we get any kind of points out of this, it will be great, great result. However, um, yeah, to come back to the point, Brendan Rodgers, we're still behind Brendan Rodgers. I think the majority of the fan base is behind him. Yeah, how how um, do you expect him to come to the Etihad um, at uh, on Boxing Day? Because the the one thing that I, I remember after after the five two at the Etihad last season, uh, Rogers spoke brilliantly about how uh, basically his tactics to stop City playing and 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 be able to hit them on the break as effectively as he did. Um, will he? Do you think he'll do the same sort of thing? It's an interesting one um, because. I think we played a five three five two, and for that for that we had a back three of Evans, Amate, and um, Suyuncu. Um, them three, I don't well. I think Daniel Amate is at Afcon. I think that um, Johnny Evans won't be fit. Suyuncu will probably be the only one who's playing. However, his levels have dropped massively since um, Evans is not beside him as well. Um, and we played a three five two with um, Castagna one side, who did I think, and then um, James Justin the other, who was out injured. The the problem is we've been chopping and changing formations, chopping and changing players that, fi- and we finally got a formation that works, which is a four-two-three-one. So you're probably going to see a back four of I want to say I'm not sure who the other centre back is going to be. It might be Vestergaard, Sionchu on that right, Castagna on the left, Luke Thomas um, as a double pivot in the middle. You'll see probably Yuri Tillemans and Wilfred Ndidi if Wilfred Ndidi is available. Um, otherwise, you might see him push back into the centre back position. Um, I'm imagining it's going to be the same as Newcastle. Then the front the, uh, behind Jamie Vardy or Pat Sadaka, again, we're not sure who's going to start for that one, it will be um, Harvey Barnes on the left, James Madison through the middle, and Kieran Dewsbury Hall to the right. Um, you're probably run wondering who he is. I'd say as a fan that just if you just enjoy watching football, he's a young uh, talent. Uh, is one that's come from Leicester as well, so we're really excited to to see his progression. And Leicester fans can't honestly can't rant and rave enough about him. Only that only he's only got four or five caps, but he looks like he's been in the Premier League for a few years now. I'd really, as I'd say, he's one to look out for for Leicester on that right hand side. Kieran Juicy Hall, he's he's looked fantastic for us. Yeah, and uh, just finally, Neil, before we let you go, let's uh, let's have a score prediction for the charity bet for this game. What uh, what are you going to say? Oh dear! Oh dear! This is going to be a tough one. I've been sitting on the fence massively of recent because um, Leicester keep losing, and I don't like to predict Leicester losing. Um, let's say it's going to—we can't keep a clean sheet because I think we've mentioned that earlier. So that'll probably be that. So uh, I'm going to—I'm going to go with my gut and let's go for a two. I'm hoping for a two-two draw out of this one, even though I know Man City is going to be a very hard game. <laughs> This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. That was Neil from Beyond the 90 LCFC. Um, Chris, Leicester might not have started well this season, but you still expect a tough game on Boxing Day. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like um, they kind of smell blood a little bit with us. Not that they've done brilliantly overall over the last few fixtures, but it's been a couple of times where they've you know, dealt us some real, real body blows. Um, Vardy seems to love playing against us. I don't care if he's thirty-four; he's still rapid. <laughs> loves it, doesn't he? Yeah, and he's and he loves it against us. So definitely um, want to be want to be wary of. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand what's happened with Leicester. And listening to that interview as well, the chap Neil didn't seem to fully be able to get his head around what had gone so wrong. They've had a lot of injuries, but they just don't seem to be able to defend at the moment. I don't know; it's a bit of a weird one. 
You did mention um, they've got a player called Dewsbury Hall that we should be looking out for. Sounds like he's owned by the National Trust. What's going on there? <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking that as you said it. Um, <laughs> Sam, have you got any concerns about how City have been playing at the Etihad? Uh, and if you had, given, because like games against Wolves, Southampton, Palace, they were tough games. Uh, were those concerns eased by the fact that they battered Leeds 7-0? Um, well, it's that blueprint, isn't it, for teams to, to play at the Etihad that Leeds really didn't follow? <laughs> <laughs> so, I, will Leicester follow that blueprint of of just making it ugly? Um, no, because we we've seen it before. They, you know, I think they're going to come to the Etihad and know that they'll have a chance on the counter attack. And and with Vardy, and like he said, you know, he's thirty four, but he can still, you know, run like a greyhound. So, um, I, I do think. There is a threat from Leicester on the counter-attack. Um, so I'm hoping for a more open game um, than, but, but than what we've seen recently at the Etihad. City eight mm-hmm. wins in a row now. Um, you're kind of feeling that they can put a bit of a run together here. Absolutely. Uh, it's like a, what I was saying before. You know, they've got this machine-like quality now where um, it's efficient, it's win, then on to the next one, and then win, and it's on to the It's a habit. Winning is a habit at the minute. And we've seen it before. When they get on these runs... It's very difficult to stop them, um, and and that's why I feel this will just be another game. You know, it's just another game, it's just another game to to win, get the job done, and on to the next one. They they clicked into that mode, and I think yeah. against Leicester, um, I, like I said, I'm hoping for it to be a bit more open. Obviously, it, it the whilst they've been winning, they've been getting the job done, but from a Fans' perspective at the Etihad, it's it's probably not been the the most amazing uh, entertainment, if you like. To to see. obviously seven goals was incredible, that was brilliant. But Leeds, like I said, didn't follow that blueprint of being awful. But that's yeah. not down to City. The entertain the lack of entertainment isn't down to City. It's the opposition that turn up and go. Well, best chance we've got of getting anything is just trying to stop them. Yeah, basically. kill this game. Kill this. Yeah, game. I don't think I don't think Leicester will go down that route. My worry with Leicester is that they've got a few players of a calibre that can produce really top quality moments out of nothing. Like I've seen Yuri Tillman score yeah. some goals. And I'm, th- I'm thinking, when did he the score? Goal the goal he scored at Brentford. Yeah. At Brentford. The goal at Brentford he scored was just. He scored out a few absolute pearlers. And there was a particular one, I don't know if that was with the Brentford one, where it was so sort of Yaya esque, where he's kind of side footed it the in- inside of his right foot. And it's just gone into a corner that he shouldn't have gone in over the keeper just looping in it's like wow and you've got Madison who can score, um, score amazing goals obviously we've talked about Vardy there are you know if it, if it ends up a tight game and it's evens with 10 minutes to go then you know start tuning on your undies a bit don't you City haven't been to Brentford now as well for over 20 years. Uh, they won the last trip there. Nicky Summerby scored the only goal of the game at Griffin Park in 1997. Uh, that was in the FA Cup. The last time City went to Brentford in the league was in 1951, where they lost 2-0. I've been speaking to Billy Grant from the Besotted podcast to find out the mood ahead of this week's tie. I don't even know the last time it was Man City. It's got to be the 90s. Was it the League Cup in the 90s? I mean, yeah. I, I remember playing you with the FA Cup in the in 1989 in 3-1 when we beat you, which is still a, a moment which is uh, everyone still talks about that moment, that FA Cup game in the rain, in the mud, the inflatable bananas in Ray Verardi playing for you. 
Gary Blissett scored a couple of goals. You know, we actually did a podcast of Besotted Pride of West dot London. If you check it out, and if you just, I mean, Mad City fans might not want it, but it's worth checking it out because it's. Uh, we actually do a sort of a retro FA Cup run because we got to the FA Cup a quarter final in that in, in that um, in that run, and uh, so we did a retro podcast talking to ex players, talking to ex fans who were there, the stories that they remember from the day. So you should definitely check that out, Pride of West dot London, and just put in Manchester City or Man City or FA Cup run or retro, and, and you'll find it. It's all good, but. Uh, uh, yeah, ever since then, like I said to you back in the day, all I, all I could also remember is that some Man City fans came down to Brentford. I think it was the final game of the season for us. Um, and you were playing in the FA Cup final, I think it was. Um, it might have been the Uwe Rosler FA Cup. Was it my Uwe Rosler? I don't know. We can FA Cup final. But you were playing in the FA Cup yeah. final and a load of Man City fans. No, that's right. They came down to Brentford to watch one of our games because they wanted to see Uwe Rosler and, and, and the team that he's playing because obviously you, you had a big history with Uwe Rosler. So I remember that. And uh, there's a photograph up on the internet somewhere and also a game of football where Man City fans and Brentford fans played in the forecourt. <laughs> like, you know, you've got a big, big Man City flag as well. So again, you could Google that on, on, on YouTube somewhere, Man City and Brentford and the fans that are playing football. So uh, that, I think that's probably the last meeting of, of our two <laughs> sets of fans. Yeah, But yeah. other than that, like I said to you, this season, we're, you know, we're, you know, we can't be any happier, really. You know, we're sitting in, I don't know, was it 13th place at the moment now? So we're sitting 12th, in the... 12th, you're doing yourself 12th, a disservice. Yeah. yeah, I know, exactly. You know, 12th place, you know. But the funny thing is that, you know, we, we, we're in one position. I mean, we're 10th and we, we, we're not playing any matches. And so we keep, we keep seeing ourselves sort of slipping away without actually playing any games. So, uh, you know, you can't say anything like that. You know, you could say 12th place with the games in hand as yeah. well because that's why I have to throw that in there like you know so uh, but yeah listen we've had a you know we've had a great season you know you don't know what to expect we've not ever been in the Premier League you know we've got the lowest budget in the Premier League and this is not making excuses that's just a fact so you know and then you've looked at how previous teams have done like Fulham and West Brom and Norwich you know and they've come up done you know they've been absolutely mustered in the in the championship and they've come up and they've absolutely just, just, just been rubbish. Like, you know, being quite frank. So, you know, we were a little bit nervous, I have to say coming up because you just don't know what it is. You know, a lot of our players are championship players, stroke division one players who we believe that we've got them to be, you know, premier league ready as they are, but you never know when they're not going to step up to the fore. I was going to ask about this because, um, I mean, obviously the, 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 the player that everybody, I think who isn't a Brentford fan knows is Ivan Tony. Um, but who are the players that, that if Brentford, get something out of this game who are the players that will do the damage against City I tell you I'm, 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 I'm so not making excuses here but the reason why I'm sort of nodding my head is because we've got so many injuries um, and the COVID thing you actually don't know who's going to play against City everyone knows about Ivan Tony. Ivan Tony has just come back and he's a great player he's not only a striker even though he's probably not scored as many goals as we would have liked him to but he does everything else he's on the wing he's midfield he's tracking he's heading the ball he's on the defence clearing goals off the goal line so he's a brilliant player like that you know I'd say Christian Norgard is a, is a key player for us he's uh, yes, our CDM um, he's a Danish international. He played against England in the European Championship semi-final as well. He's a really class player as well. He came on off the bench uh, off against Chelsea, as did Ivan Tony as well. Ivan Tony was out for nearly two weeks with COVID, but he's come back off the bench. So I would like to think that he's going to be back and playing as well. And also, like I said, Christian Norgard the same as well. He came in off the bench as well. So he's going to, you know, a player that I think is going to be featuring as well quite heavily. He's a great player. You know, um, Christian Ayer, I would have loved to have been talking about him 
is our record signing from Celtic, 13.5 million. He's like a Rolls Royce of a centre back and he really changed the way that we played. Um, but he got injured and we're not sure whether he's going to be back. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's not going to be back for the Man City game. He's probably not going to be back till the new year, but we've really missed him along with um, um, David Raya, who's our goalkeeper, who is like a basically he's like a, he's like a midfielder. You know, he like he nutmegs two players, you know, and then pings the ball 30 yards uh, for someone to put in the back of the net. And since he's gone out of the team, we've got Fernandes in the team, not knocking Fernandes, but he's not Ayer. And it's really changed the way that we play. But, you know, coming back to also key players, um, look at Ethan Pinnock, who used to play for Dulwich Hamlet, who were, who were at the time they were in the, sort of the conference, they were in the Isthmian League, Premier Division and, uh, and he's gone from the Isthmian League Premier Division to the Premier League within about four four years ago. I mean, I saw him play for Dulwich Hamlet in the in the the playoff final against East Thurrock. They got completely <laughs> and utterly battered uh, Dulwich Hamlet at the time. You know, it was very distressing. And then he left them. And then before you know it, he's just he's he's winged his way up via Forest Green and Barnsley to go and play for Brentford in the Premier League. But you watch him, he's a, he's a really, really great centre-back as well. Yeah. We, we, we love him dearly. So, like I said, there's a few players there to look out for. Fair play to the lad as well. Um, let's. I mean, the interesting thing, this, this game uh, is away for City and I know no City fans will be taking it for granted because I think a lot of us watched that uh, draw with Liverpool and we're, we're, we're praying that, uh, that that you got something out of it because of, uh, of how the title race is going this season. It's not an easy place to go to, is it, Brentford? No, it's not an easy place to go to. And like I said to you, you know, we've moved to a new stadium, so it's not the same stadium that if any fans came to, you know, the last times that we played you in the, in the, in the, in the two cups, you know, it's very different. It's about a mile down the road. Um, um, like I said, we call it New Griffin Park. They call it Brentford Community Stadium, but, you know, we don't particularly like that name, you know, so we call it New Griffin Park. So it's a tight stadium. It's not very big, only 17,000. Again, we only got it that size because we only need that size we had 4,000 fans 10 years ago and we'd rather have a smaller stadium which has got an atmosphere than a say a Wigan-esque and a Bolton-esque type stadium which is much bigger and they're desperately trying to pull people in and it's just got no atmosphere at all so it works for us you know like I said to you it's a good vibe it's a good atmosphere we haven't probably won as many games in it as we would have done because Griffin Park used to be fortress Griffin Park as and teams used to hate coming there because you're so close to this to the to the pitch and teams literally they said to me it's the worst stadium that they've been to you know in terms of atmosphere um, we've got a good atmosphere at our place um, it, it hasn't quite got a fortress Griffin Park feel to it but you know you know it's, it is what it is what it is that Liverpool game I have to point out though and again I keep on saying this I'm not making any excuses there are two there's definitely two Brentford teams and after that Liverpool game a couple of games after that we got our wrath of injuries and you know it hit us in mid-October and our form changed dramatically dramatically so a lot of people keep saying oh yeah Brentford have been found out they've been found out but it's literally not that it's, we've got a paper uh, a paper you know a thin squad compared to other teams you know when it comes to quality when you lose your first 11 and we lost our first 11 you know in the third month of the season so we're having to make do we've got a finger in the dam at the moment now and we're hoping we get to January with the players coming back if we can get our players back by February we'll totally I think we'll be totally alright but I think at the moment now we're throwing in players who are second string players, maybe even third string players. I mean, the centre back we've had playing for the last four or five weeks is actually our sixth in line centre back, a guy called Charlie Good, who, uh, yeah, so who we, we had a bit of an in joke because we'd done our Christmas podcast as well, which came out Friday West London. And there's a bit of a joke where one of our, one of the guys on there, Jimmy Max, said that, you know, he put him down as his player of the season, which is a little bit of an in joke <laughs> because he literally, he kind of like, he, he, he didn't have the best start to his uh, Premier League career, but it's, it's getting better. But it's uh, from a sort of quite a low barometer, if you know what I'm 
saying. So, uh, yeah, so things like that is what, what's happening with us now. So, you know, with us having the players up, we're, we're definitely not that same team that played against Liverpool. But, you know, the good thing is that all these younger players and these inexperienced players are getting experience. So if we manage to stay in this league the following season, they'll actually have experience playing in these games if we had survived. So it's it's one of those things which can work in our favour as long as we don't get relegated. Yeah. Um, just before we finish, Billy, we've got a charity bet coming up on the show a bit later on. Um, I'm I'm notoriously bad at it, so I like to give my prediction over to our guests. So what's your what's your score prediction for this game? Listen, I'm not going to tell you. You've got quality players, you know. You know, compared to like I said to you, what you were like when we used to play you in the in you know in in the olden days, like you know, you're you're a class above. And uh, we're going to have to be on our A game, you know. Seeing what we were like when we played Chelsea, you know, we were a bit sluggish. We we're a bit laggard, I, I think. So I don't know whether or not we sometimes get a little bit star in the Irish when we play certain teams. Certainly we weren't against Liverpool, but, you know, it might be different against Man City because I said it's a different type of side. So I am going, I very rarely go in for a Brentford loss, right? Very rarely go in for a Brentford loss. And I'm struggling to actually kind of go for a Brentford loss this time. So I'm actually going to go for a one-all draw, which is going to be, we'd be delighted if we got a draw <laughs> out of Manchester City. I'll tell you that much. No problem at all. Do you know the last player that scored in, in the meeting between these two teams? It was uh, it was Nicky Summerby back in 1997. FA Cup replay, I think it was. God blimey, yeah. Nicky Summerby. And I think that FA Cup that FA Cup replay, God, I vaguely remember that, 1997. God. And and I think the, the I remember the the, the, the matchup at Manchester City as well. I did a coach and we stopped <laughs> off in Cong did stopped off in Congleton on the way down, actually. I oh, remember. Yes. yes, yeah, the good old Congleton like off the A thirty four. So yeah, I remember stopping off of the coach there and I, I actually was actually in the in the Lake District actually and on holiday. So I set, set the coach up on itself and when I came down to meet them, I sort of saw people on the pool tables and everything like that, you know, dancing away. I was thinking, oh, no, I need to sort of control my old coaches <laughs> on my own this time because as soon as I leave them to their own, like, you know, their own devices, they're, they're away. So uh, yeah. I think they Off had on the a pool table. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. You've made it this far, so don't give up now. That was Billy Grant from Besotted. Uh, Sam, you've done a few Brentford games this season. Um, as I mentioned before, it's right near your house. Uh, what what are they like? What's it What's it like there? It's brilliant. I um, I thoroughly enjoy it. Actually, um, it's it's really refreshing uh, to go to a, a newly promoted team and see them really compete and really half and half scarf play to you, the strengths. Well, <laughs> I made this joke the other day that I might have to get one. Because... It wasn't an instant no, was it? <laughs> <laughs> Even though I looked down my nose at them at, at the oh, best of yeah, times. Oh, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh not go. Brentford. Half and half scarves. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I've, I've had the pleasure to, uh, of, of going to the, the Arsenal game. I went to the Liverpool game. Uh, I was at the Leicester game. And then I was at the Watford game the other day. And um... have, you, have you done more Brentford games? How much games? is a season ticket there? <laughs> <laughs> no, I got a membership. I got Now, I am a glory supporter because I did get a membership. <laughs> because they're only 15 minutes away. And I thought, you know what? With my work schedule at the minute, it's probably more chance of me going team Brentford than getting back up to Manchester, unfortunately. Um, but they, you know, it really reminds me of Leeds last season. So you'll see teams turn up and just won't have a clue how they play, which yeah. really frustrates me because I think, what is your, you know, your, your analysis, analysis yeah. department yeah. doing sort of thing? Um, and they'll, they can play some really nice stuff on the on the floor, Brentford, but then all of a sudden 
they have this incredible sort of punt and rush play um, where they'll throw it forward to Tony, who is brilliant in the air. He's he's, he's not bad on the floor player. either. To be no, fair. no, and he'll Good he'll player. flick it on to um, Ambumo, and um, they'll get a lot of joy out of that. And uh, that's what worries me um, in this game against City. I think it should be it, it should be comfortable enough for for City, but they will make it tricky. And yeah. um, the Brentford Community Stadium, when the fans get behind them, is is electric it's yeah. it's really good it's a great sort of feel good um vibe that they've got going on down there and it's great to see and it's you know as a as a neutral uh going to those brentford matches um it's really enjoyable and i'm yeah. i'm really enjoying the football there and i'm looking forward to this match chris do you ever do you feel better not facing a newly promoted side away from home in the first few months of the season because whenever i think of, of newly promoted sides the last thing you want is to go to one of them in august or september when they're still riding that high of having yeah. been promoted you want them when they've been browbeaten by the premier league and you you know you got into the hard winter and they're, they're, they're starting to find it tough and i'm not even sure if brentford are finding it tough uh, just yet no, not tough enough for my liking in terms of us, <laughs> us about to play them. But I know what you mean. But it is difficult when you're um, the newly promoted and they're brimful of vim and vigour sort of thing. But equally, at this stage of the year, um, it's it's Christmas. Everyone's going to be probably you know, quite merry in the ground. It's going to be a good atmosphere. A lot of people have finished work for the Christmas period. The atmosphere is generally great at Christmas, isn't it? So that's all going to work in their favour. Um, it's got it's got a potential banana skin written all over mm-hmm. it, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, I'm pretty wary of it. Because I've liked what I've seen of them when I've, when I've watched them play, particularly when they're, you know, taking points off Liverpool. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I am a bit wary of them. They do have... Uh, a direct style, but like Sam was saying, they can they can knock it about a bit as well. They look decent, and uh, yeah. we're going to have to be on our metal to to take all three points. Certainly, I think um, just thinking back to one of the the matches I did go and see at Brentford against Leicester. Um, Leicester, I, I, that you know, we mentioned that Tillerman's goal was was incredible, um, and they they basically scored with their only sort of two chances of the match, but it was a pretty pretty professional performance if you like from Leicester and I think if City turn up and don't get sort of um, you know don't get taken in by that sort of atmosphere that's going to be at the ground because it to them and to the fans it is a free hit it is a, yeah. a novelty of, of still a novelty of, of you know playing the, the Premier League champions and one of the biggest clubs in the world at, at Brentford the fans are going to like you say the atmosphere is going to be jovial um, and I think if they don't get sucked into that, if they just keep professional, then it should be, it should be, th- this is another one to clip up, David. Yeah, yeah. I, it, I'm noticing how much <laughs> emphasis you try to get on this should. <laughs> it should be um, a, a straightforward enough job if they stay professional. And, I think yeah, we just need to put, yeah, put the clamps on early and just keep squeezing, Yeah, basically. 
Well, uh, would you believe it? We won again on the charity bet this uh, last week. Uh, already this season, we've passed a grand. We're up to £1,020. That's thanks to Dan Burke correctly predicting a 4-0 win at Newcastle. We're raising money for the Man City fans' food bank support who collect for the Trussell Trust in Greater Manchester. William Hill is giving each of us a £10 correct score single. Uh, we heard from uh, Neil that he's uh, hoping for a 2 all draw in the uh, City versus Leicester game. That's 28-1 to and £280 if he's right. Uh, Higgy, what have you got for this one? Well, good question. Um, <laughs> you can't remember, I, can you? It was I too, it was too remember. one. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go to on City on this one, David. <laughs> two one is uh, nine to one and ninety pounds. Uh, Sam, what have you said for this? Uh, I've gone three one. I think it'll be a lot more of a of an open game and more of a competitive match compared to recently at the Etihad. And I think it'd be one of them where. City will score, Leicester will get one back, and then in the last 20 minutes, City will do the business. Yeah, 10 to 1 and £100 if you're right. Um, we heard from uh, Billy as well before that he's gone for a one all draw at uh, the Brentford Community Stadium. That's 12 to 1 and £120. Uh, Sam, where's, uh, where's your money for this one? Well, so that I've got something to cheer for both sides, uh, <laughs> I've gone for 3-1 <laughs> uh, to, to Manchester City, of course. Um, I actually think Brentford will open the scoring. Oh, and then City come back and, uh, yeah. and, and ease through the gears. Uh, 11 to 1, if that happens, uh, 3 1, it's uh, 110 pounds. Uh, Higgy, what are your feelings for this? I think it's going to be uh, quite an involving blood and thunder um, encounter. I've gone for 3 2 City. 3 2 uh, City. Rem- rem- reminiscent game. of that, uh, that Blackpool game all those years ago. Yes, absolutely. Pity we've not got Dave Silver in the side, but there we go. Yeah. Can I just say as well, that uh, prediction by Dan at Newcastle, he's predicted 4-0 away and got that's amazing. How's he uh, <laughs> I know, we, we keep doing it. So, I mean, I hope some of these come in because the odds on them are great. 35-1 to 1 for yours, uh, 3-2 at, uh, at Brentford. £350 if you're uh, if you spot on. So, uh, fingers crossed you are. Uh, you've got to be 18 or over to gamble. Prices can change. And for more on responsible gambling, take a look at begambleaware.org. <laughs> We're going to finish this week, uh, as we usually do, with some listener questions. Uh, Adam Carter is first up on Twitter. Uh, He asks, with Torres on his way to Barcelona for seemingly around £45 million, uh, and we reportedly wanted £70 million, are you concerned with our inability to sell players for what they're actually worth? Chris, what do you think? Um, Well, in a word, yeah. It's not so much... uh, I mean, we've made a tidy profit on him, haven't we? We're going for, what, £20 Yeah, I can't remember what they signed him for, but it was uh, was a lot less than, than they're selling him for. But still, it's worth less than what you'd think his market value is worth. And it's it's the fact that we're seemingly just being like really nice neighbours to Barcelona. I, I don't know if it's because of the connections we've got at the club or what, but I mean, on the one hand, you don't want to keep a player who isn't happy, but why would you weaken yourself at this point? If we can get him for similar money off the off the books in the summer, we might well need it. You don't know what's going to happen with injuries and stuff. He's a professional under contract at the end of the day. Um, and let's not forget Bernardo wanted to leave uh, a year ago or so and look at him flying now. I just, it doesn't make much sense to me unless like we're just, I don't know. We're just being, it seems a little bit, a little bit nice of us to sell him to Barcelona for what, 50 million. 
And by the way, where are they getting fifty million from? Yeah, I don't understand that either. But the, the other, I mean, the other part of this, Sam, is I don't know if I'm just looking at this. Uh, I don't know if I'm being a bit naive, a bit twee. Do you know what I mean? Like, like a little bit head in the sand sort of thing. But I'm just wondering if I'm. I might, I might even be putting two and two together and getting 130. But the the thing is, if they look at this deal and go, well, if we get 45 million in for Torres, we've got money in the coffers already. We, you know, it's the, the way that they do deals. It's always structured over the contract length as well in the books, so it's like, you can easily write off the figures like that. Um, they might be looking at it and going, well, that might be the money that we need to go and get the striker that we want this summer. Yeah, you think so? I think the way in which um, the the business has, has has been done in terms of it's it's been a pretty quick deal, really, hasn't it? It's been you know from a Barcelona perspective, it's been pretty painless to go there and go, oh yeah, we fancy Torres. Uh, Torres wants to come, of course he does. You know, it, still let's let's not let's not fool ourselves. Barcelona are a massive club despite their issues at the minute, and um, who wouldn't want to go there? Um, yeah, Spanish life going home as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and I actually think you know, forty-five million isn't bad for Ferran Torres. Like I know he's this hot prospect. He's done well for Spain when he's played. He's looked all right for City. He's scored a couple of goals. He's twenty-one, but is he really going to be the striker that Manchester City need? No. Fair so enough. I think Did I'd you be say very fair surprised. I, I, I said fair <laughs> enough, not fair enough. No, right. like, <laughs> seventy million. Is you're never going to get seventy million for Ferran Torres, I don't think. So yeah, um, yeah. But it just seems a bit weird. And I mean, like like when you were saying though, Sam, um, you know, it might be, or was it David? They're putting the money towards a striker in the summer. Do it in the summer then, unless we are getting someone in January. The thing is, in is which case, great. The thing is as well is I think it's his injury record that you know if it's. It might be a thing with Barca. Barca, you never, you never know. Barca might say, "Look, we'll give you forty-five to have him in January, or we'll give you twenty-five to have him in summer." Yeah, um, fair comment, yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe another team isn't going to be coming in for him. Um, and as well, you know, the the way City do business, it is all all balance in the books, and it's all it's the it's all in hand, isn't it? If you like, the, you know, the it's one all, th- yeah, all under control. The one thing I would say is it's not often City get an outgoing player wrong. I can't think of many players who've gone on to do better things after they've left City. So um, that's I mean I, I, I do appreciate they don't sell many players when they're twenty one. They sell most of them when they're thirty four. But yeah, here we are. <laughs> um, final question for this week uh, actually came in a few weeks ago. It was uh, Sangartha on the emails. Uh, it came in when uh, the story broke that uh, the Premier League was turning down the request for uh, for teams to wear their away kits on Boxing Day. Uh, that was part of Shelter's uh, no home kit campaign. Um, very simply, what in your opinion is the best away kit City have ever had? Uh, Sam, I'm going to start with you on this one. Oh, um, best away kit. Now I can't say a third kit, can I? No, it's uh, got to be an away not, kit. Yeah, That's it's the got thing. to be yeah. an away kit. Oh. I actually thought. Um, you know what? The away kits recently I've really enjoyed. I liked the twenty eighteen ninety one, the navy one with the sort of uh, throwback to to ninety nine with the sort of neon yellow yeah. line pinstripe. That was nice. Um, the Manchester one was a nice touch. And that was pretty cool. Um, I'm just trying to, just trying to think back to some from back in the day. But you know, you know what's growing on me this season's away kit, the white with the with the turquoisey shorts, really growing on me. That one. I, like I don't that. like the tur- the turquoise shorts. Don't do it for me. I'm afraid. Yeah, if that's really- the away kit, what's our third kit this year? 
Um, it's the one that says Man City across the top oh, of it. Oh, God, no wonder. I'd, yeah. what, Deleted oh, from your memory. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Chris, how, how about you, Chris? Any, uh, any favourite away kits of years gone by? Yeah, I mean, they're always kind of associated with, like, I don't know, certain periods of your life when you're supporting City and you add that kit, I think kind of biases you towards one kit or another. I'd like to just start by saying I think it's a bit of a disgrace that they're not allowing they're not allowing the uh, teams to wear their away shirts. It's like, yeah. come on, lads, it's for charity. But um, Also, I, do, you, do you remember a few years ago when you, that, that famous David James went up front game um, <laughs> at the middle, uh, against Middlesbrough? City were in their away kit on the final day of the season and it was to sell it for uh, for the next season. It was the new away kit for the following season. Oh really? That's a bit weird. I yeah. remember we played um, we played at Main Road in our away kit against Tottenham, but they were in their away kit as well. I think that was to promote it. And Gascoigne scored a really really good goal, and that was the uh, the maroon um, brother, you yeah. know, white brother. That was a fantastic. That, uh, was kit. that a third? Was that a third kit though? No, that was the away. Because I was going to I was going to say that. Oh yes, the Gillingham shirt was the third kit, wasn't it? Yeah, no, the Gillingham yeah, shirt that was, was a different. Gillingham shirt was the away was the away shirt. Oh right, okay. In ninety nine, ninety eight, ninety nine. But this was like nineteen ninety one, nineteen ninety, ninety one. That was a fantastic the maroon uh, with the triangles and the home kit was blue, just uh, same kind of design. I really like that kit. Really, really like the black and red stripes. I think my favourite one of those is the one where there's a black stripe right in the middle and it's got yellow IDOS, the Umbro kit. Umbro yeah. for me. Do the the, the Eddie Jekyll at Spurs. 2000. Yeah. I think, was it? I, I don't know the year. I'm not very good at Well, no, the 2001 would have been Sean Goater at Blackburn. You know, when, yes, they, that's you know when they promoted. Um, and again, I've got, got that kit. Yeah, the one I always think of, I was going to agree with you, Chris. I think I, my favourite, I think, is that um, red and black stripes that that we wore when uh, we beat Spurs 5 1 and Jekyll scored 4. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But the, nice. the the other one to chuck in is the uh, away kit. The next season, it had the gold uh, Etihad low, um, sponsorship on the front, uh, and was all maroon uh, all the way down. Uh, they wore that when that's um, a lovely shirt. Yeah, they wore it when they uh, they came from behind against Fulham and West Brom uh, in that winter period. That was it. That, that I loved that kit. My only issue with the, um, that kit is that the cracking on the on the on the sponsorship, which makes it look a bit tatty when you wear it a few yeah. years later. Just going back to the the Edin Dzeko red and black away kit, that was the kit for that iconic David Silver shot at Loftus Road when yes. he scored, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 When he did that little step yeah, to just that little players out as he took punch it in the air. Yeah. 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 Yeah, fantastic. Well, I've gone all warm and fuzzy there to finish the show. That was uh, yeah, I like that. me too. That brings our final show before Christmas to an end. Uh, but never fit with a real festive treat for you over the next week or so. Uh, we'll be back with a normal podcast next week after the game with Brentford. But before that, we'll have our annual Christmas quiz that goes live on Christmas Day, and it sees Adam Carter trying to defend his crown against Dom Farrell, Howard Hockin, and Jonathan Smith. So that'll be perfect while you're getting the Christmas dinner ready. We've also got the usual Patreon bonus show on Monday too this week. Uh, Dan Burke is talking us through. The the names that he's had on the back of his city shirts down the years. That's available at patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast and you'll get a weekly bonus show plus the main show without the ads for just £2 a month. Special thanks to my guests for today's show, Sam Roscoe. Cheers, matey. And Chris Higginbottom. So very much. Merry Christmas, one and all. Merry Christmas, everyone. Don't forget to leave us a rating and a review in all the usual places and we'll see you again soon.
is the Blue Moon Podcast. Please support the show. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. It's supposed to be quite a, an uncomfortable sensation. Yeah, but it gets uh, the, like it's supposed to get all the wax out of your ears, and then you go, "Oh God, I can hear." Yeah, and then they fill up again, and you like have to go through this cycle. But my sinuses <laughs> are awful, and I could do with like the whole inside of my head sucking out, with my brain a rinse, <laughs> pop it back in, off you go.